Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to owners and horse enthusiasts. Please remember with each topic we discuss that your horse is an individual, so you should seek professional advice before implementing any strategies. This week, we are looking at a paper that is called The Use of Reflective Practice to support mentoring of elite equestrian coaches. And this is by Joe Winfield, Jane Williams, and Martin Dixon. And the premise of this study was to um, essentially look at coaching and how we can try and improve enthusiasm and engagement with kind of continual learning and how to assess yourself and improve upon yourself. So they came to the conclusion that many equestrian coaches are self-employed and they don't receive any formal support for development after they complete their lead qualification. So there's no kind of follow-up or top-up that they have to go through. Um, They investigated a potential solution And what they did was take three elite coaches. So these coaches um, had experience of coaching between 25 years and 42 years was the most experienced coach. And what they did was during the process, they basically made them engage in this um, like mentor support system. And then they used the data that they collected through interviews and self-reflection to determine, you know, was it a positive experience? Did it really work for these coaches? And what they found was that it does suggest the mentoring process um, aids development and it does aid self-reflection. But self-reflection was a huge part of this, learning how to kind of analyze what you're doing and what your techniques are. Yeah, and and one of the surprises of this was that they really enjoyed the paperwork that was involved. (laughs) So that surprised me because how often, you know, I don't even want to fill out a survey sometimes because, um, you know, it takes time. It's a, a lot of thought goes into your responses, but they really ended up, they said the paperwork and their level of journaling um, developed a discipline in them that helped enhance their feelings of being good at what they they do. So I was surprised by that. And I can see where like journaling or um, even for horse owners and uh, competitors, you know, to journal and to have your feelings out there where you can actually understand maybe why you're feeling negative or why you're feeling positive um, just kind of helps um, describe yourself to yourself. So it was, um, you know, kind of eye opening that maybe we all need to be doing a little journaling to help us with these animals and what we do with them. And then also during a pandemic, we're all kind of isolated. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things, you know, you said kind of getting your feelings out there because they did mention it's important that like you're not only journaling and doing the self-reflection, but you're sharing it in some form. They did say it's you know, doing self-reflection can be a double-edged sword because if you feel like 
it's a requirement and it's a commitment. You have to do it, but you don't have to share it with anyone. They found that some people might like, you know, fib or they might be either overly critical, which occurs a lot, or they may paint the picture in a positive light when it may not have went that way, just for the sake of like completing the task that is you know, doing the self-reflection. Whereas if it's a self-reflection and then you take it to a mentor and you say, this is how I coached this day. This is how I felt. This was the outcome. And you're doing it in order to get support from that mentor, then you're going to be more honest in it. And you're also going to want to be a bit more, you know, like unbiased to get the best view of yourself out of it. Yeah, and I I thought the isolation part of it was so important because so many equestrian coaches, um, they're isolated because you become kind of protective of your practices because you don't want to lose your clients. And so you don't want to give out too many trade secrets. So you tend to isolate yourself from other mentors or other coaches. And that might not be in the best interest of yourself or of the industry. So maybe, you know, if there's anything this showed, and there were only three um, you know, applicants or respondents in this. So you know, maybe a larger sample size would prove otherwise, but it really showed that it kind of boosted a camaraderie, which actually energized their coaching abilities. And I think that's interesting because how often in the horse world do we all kind of keep our secrets because, you know, we don't want to give out too much or you, you might lose your clients to someone else who might steal your ideas. So instead of being so protective like that, maybe we need to not worry so much about that and just um, be more interested in why we do what we do. I always think as well that that must come from the fact that, you know, as an industry, it is so highly centered around competition. So like no matter what you're doing with your horse, there's some form of competition involved. Even when it comes to training your horse, you'll compete with yourself over how you trained your last horse, how your last horse improved in certain timeframes. Is this horse meeting that? And then, you know, actually going to competitions, going to the racetrack, there's so much about it that's like that drive for competition that you're not going to want to say to people, well, this is how I do this and this is how I do that because you want to try and keep that close. And I think while that is, you know, has its own merits, I often think in different professions where we're not open and we don't talk about the ins and outs, you can sometimes hold a profession back that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I always believe that in veterinary nursing that not being transparent about progression and about salaries. I felt that held back other veterinary nurses because you don't know what to strive for. And I think within the equine industry, you know, you need those tips and you need those secrets. The thing about a great trainer is not only do they have the knowledge, but they know how to use it and how to have that application. So really giving your tips and secrets to everyone shouldn't threaten you too much because you know it's about applying them you you can tell someone how to bake a cake but if they've never baked before they're they're probably not going to make the best cake there is 
That's right. And the directions are all the same for everyone. It's just better at it than other. And, you know, the interesting part about this paper was they explained explicit knowledge, implicit knowledge, and then tacit knowledge. And the differences between them was explicit. That was easy to articulate, easy to read. It was like research papers. It's right there. You read it, you interpret it, but then you're implicit. That was applying the explicit knowledge. So you're almost taking over the best practices scenario from what you've maybe read or what you've written. And then the tacit, that's what the hard part is. That's the feel you put into baking a cake or working (laughs) with a horse that you can't really explain it. And that's the part that I think really makes the coaches and makes us as equestrians better because we've, you establish and you kind of hone that tacit knowledge or that feel for the situation and that you can't buy it and you can't learn it. You just acquire it. And I think that's where self-reflection is so useful because it's so easy for, you know, every day working with the same horses, it all becomes one in your mind and to be able to sit down just for five minutes and the, they use elite trainers in this, but anybody can get a diary, you know, keep a notepad and just jot down like that horse you worked with, even the client you worked with, you know, and a couple of points about what went well and what didn't and reflect on it and see if next time take a little look at it and be like, oh, well, actually, you know, that didn't go that well last time they were here. Let's work on that today. And I think that helps improve that tacit knowledge where you know, you're taking what you're actually doing and only you can really work on that feeling and that that kind of instinct when you're working with horses, but you need to know yourself as well to be able to do it. And I think they do this, like self-reflection is such a useful tool and they do it really well in medical professions. So nurses, doctors, they have to keep a record continual education and continual learning. So it's called continual professional development, CPD, and it's within a whole range of professions. You see it, you know, in any medical profession, you see it in veterinary professions, but not only do you do the continual professional development, but in medical professions, they make you reflect on what you've learned. And it's something we're bringing into veterinary and is really interesting because so many students hate reflecting. I totally understand as well. It's really hard sometimes to sit down and just think, be critical, be unbiased. But also some people struggle to just sit down and write about themselves. Like journaling isn't for everyone, but they found through all of these professions, it is the most useful thing to cement what you've learned and to really take that look on it and think, was that useful? Because you can do a course and it might not be useful at all to you, but to take that reflection just means that you've actually taken something away from it. 
Yeah, and that one lady in this study, she didn't even realize why she was coming um, out of the sessions feeling a little negative. And she realized it wasn't anything intrinsic in her. It was extrinsic and it was coming from her client. And so she was able to change the teaching method for that client to try and get her in a more positive vein. So she started working more on things that that student had kind of conquered and could do very well and then slowly broke it down into smaller steps for her to be able to accomplish what had become so negative to her. So I thought it was pretty good that it, the teacher or the coach said that she was able to take ownership of her own sessions. She didn't allow the client to interfere with her ownership of what she wanted to teach. And I thought that was really a good point. Um, there's also phone apps. If you're not one into journaling with paper and pen, um, there's some phone apps that you can download that not only record what you did with the horse at that time, if it's you riding or if it's someone else. And then it also has you make observation or reflect on what that time felt like, what you did and things like that. And I thought if you're more electronic oriented, you might benefit from downloading one of those free apps. Do you, off the top of your head, Nancy, just put you on the spot. Do you have any of the names of those? Sure. Um, the one that I used is Equilab, and it does have in-app purchases. However, you can download a free version and keep track of your rides and your comments and your reflections on that ride or training session. However, if you want to connect with others, there is a fee. So, um, But that capability is there. I liked the point you were making as well about the coach where she found she was, you know, pleasing the client. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just something that's really difficult for new coaches and people that are like new to that size of the profession because you're trying to grow a business and it can be really difficult to find that balance between staying true to your teaching and your techniques and trying to garner clients and grow your business and get more you know people but I think it's just you see then that the outcome of her coaching was negative and she wasn't getting the results she wanted so without that self-reflection she wouldn't have realized that that had to change yeah, she, she just couldn't realize why she felt so bad after those sessions. And that really stuck out at me because this reflection can, you don't have to be a coach to use it. You can do it, you know, for yourself when you ride your horse, just keep a record of your reflections, what you're feeling, what you felt went right, what you think you need to work on and what might be some answers that you can try um, or training techniques and just kind of keep a journal. And I think overall, it kind of helps us to step back and just kind of see things more objectively. 
Exactly. In this study, the coaches says that through this process of self-reflection, they did actually become more confident in themselves Mm -hmm. and they became more confident in what they were actually doing while teaching, which I loved because one of the coaches had been coaching for 43 years and it just cements the fact that A, we're forever learning and B, you can always self-improve. You can always, you know, take the next step, get that bit better. So I loved that they got more confidence out of it, which is just incredible. Yeah. And um, I did want to mention there is an equestrian coach or an equine coach um, in the UK. Her name is Lisa Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N. And I heard her give a presentation at the um, um, International Society for um, Equitation Science. And they had a summer virtual conference. And she gave a presentation and said some just thought-provoking things you can do that I had never heard before. And she has a book on the market called Horse welfare from the inside out and give her a Google. She has a Facebook page called uh, Coffee with Horse Lovers. A lot of opportunities to learn about mentoring and coaching. And, you know, with this uh, being isolated during the pandemic, sometimes it's just you and your horse on a farm. Are you in a boarding situation where you can't take lessons or have access to your coach, um, join in on that Facebook group and, and have a conversation. And she's got presentations on there. And I, I think it's really a good thing she's doing, reaching out at this time to the horse community. Definitely. Yeah. And as well, for anyone who does want to kind of build that community and feel like part of a community, if you do decide to join our Patreon, we do have a community on there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can speak to like-minded people. And it's obviously all people who are interested in the podcast and interested in the research. But it just helps connect others. And you may find through that as well that you find someone that's happy to be that mentor and to give that support. And you can discuss cases. And even if you, you know, are in similar countries, you'd be able to bring each other and have that connection so you're not as isolated yeah and Kate I want to thank you for setting that all up Um, Kate's handling that part of this uh, business and I kind of do the analytics for the podcast and together we hope it gives you guys some inspiration and some support um, for you and your horse and we've had another and um, this week just another person reach out and say that they absolutely love the podcast which brings me and Nancy so much joy you can't imagine and um, because we just really really love hearing from you guys and when you send us you know research you want us to look over like that is when our inner nerd comes out like we get <laughs> so excited when someone requests research because we're like yes other people love research too Um, So do keep sending those in. Um, If you do decide in, you know, the coming days or months that you want to support the podcast in any way, then you can do it as a one-off on Patreon. You don't have to 
sign up and there are different tiers of what benefits you get, but you don't have to sign up for every month. You can do like a one-off donation or on our anchor as well. There is that support button to help just support basically the research that we gather together. It's Um, because me and Nancy are a little while out of our masters now. So very sadly losing access to (laughs) all of these great, um, websites that give you journals and things like that um well yeah it's been an absolute pleasure well and I will say we're now in 26 countries we've got Colombia um joined in and Brazil I mean we've got now Central and South America so um it's just absolutely incredible so we thank everyone for listening and uh for enjoying uh what we have to say because we love saying it (laughs) (laughs) so thanks everyone and thanks kate for joining in this week thanks nancy take care okay bye-bye